The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being, as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart, and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. John, thank you so much for joining us, brother. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. Like I was saying just before we started recording, I'd been gone for two and a half weeks. So I come back to the clinic and it's, you know, it's it's crazy, right? You have a lot of people schedule on the schedule and I love it. And it's um it's it's busy. So I'm glad we could we could carve out this time for uh for this interview. Brother, and it's I nice really to be able to just leave the, the 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 craziness out there, you know, the nurses and everyone else kind of running around. It's like I get to just get into a zen and a nice conversation with you. Yeah, beautiful, brother. I've been looking forward to this for a, for a long time. My wife's a big big fan of yours as well. And tell us about the holidays, because um, there's there's something that uh, I notice about you when um, you're sharing your life your perception out there in the social media space is that um you always seem to be having a good time as a fellow surfer and skier as well it's um it's great to resonate with uh the smile that you have on your face so tell us about um the activities that you do that bring you joy and why they're so important to you well i love being outside foremost when i can and we're in the middle of a I came back to Florida and it's just, you know, cloudy. There's no sun. You know, this morning I go out to try and do sun gazing and it's just, it's just a wall of cloud. And I, I'm told it's going to be 45 days of this, like in the sixties. And so it's kind of the opposite of what I love, you know, why I moved to Florida. Um, so yeah, I love getting out in the sun foremost and uh, surfing. I grew up in Hawaii and, um, you know, I find just being out in the water, just, you know, even when you're waiting for the waves, just being out there is just magical. Yeah, I had a day. So I, I, I spent a week in Hawaii. I actually stayed at Garrett McNamara's house um, on the North Shore. And it was just CJ Macias and I, because everybody was, you know, Garrett and Nicole and, you know, the whole family was in Italy because they moved to Italy. 
And so uh, it's just CJ and I hanging out and just having a bit of a bromance together. And we literally spent Christmas just he and I making this like amazing meal. And um, it was great to, you know, to connect with a brother. But we went surfing twice. Right. And I surf on a stand up paddleboard these days. <clears throat> and um, the first time I went out because I have a board that I leave in Hawaii, went out and um, it wasn't a big day, but the leash broke and it washed up on the reef. And it happened to be this fellow from Australia, actually, that helped me because I didn't have shoes and he did. And he says, let me go out there and walk on the reef and get your board for you. And just a lovely guy. And so he goes out there and brings the board back and it's just beat up like beyond. Right. So many dings that I'm thinking, you know, this is this is it. So we go and buy a brand new one. And then a couple of days after that, CJ and I went out to this break called Chun's Reef. Are you, are you familiar with the North Shore much? Not too much, no. Tell us about it. So in Hawaii, the north-facing coast gets these um, storm swells from Alaska. And that um, gets quite big. You have like the pipeline in Waimea Bay. And, you know, that whole coast just um, holds some of the biggest um, surfable waves on the planet. And, um, and this was a day where it would be about five to six feet um, Hawaiian style, which is we'd go from the back of the wave. So it would be, you know, 10 to 12 feet or so. And, and I'm out there with a new stand-up paddleboard and it's more narrow than I'm used to. So it's like kind of unstable and it was kind of crowded. Right. So I'm afraid to take off on a wave because I'm like, I'm going to, I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. So finally I kind of go off to the side and this big set comes in and I'm paddling out and I'm paddling out. I turn around, I take off on this giant wave. I'm free falling, right? And I barely made, I almost made the drop, right? But I, I just, I hit that bottom and there was just too much volume on the board, total wipeout. And then the leash breaks. So it was like a repeat from the, the, the uh, surfing that I did before where it was the first wave I wiped out, lost the board and that was it. And so here it is, this repeat, my board's gone. I just, I had the paddle in my hand. I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to just try to, to swim because I was out there and it was a big day. And this guy so nicely paddles back out with my board. He's, he's standing on my paddleboard with the paddle and his surfboard is in tow because it's, it's on the, on his, on his leash. Right. And he's like, Merry Christmas. Here's your board. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. But by that time I was ready to go in, you know, cause I was swimming for a good 20 minutes in this big sea. And so that was the extent of my surfing um, while I was in Hawaii. But, you know, at this stage, what was so beautiful about that is I was able to just be so okay with that and not be upset. I didn't get angry, not even a bit. In fact, it was just total acceptance that that's the way things went. And my my focus went more towards how great it was to go out there. And then I got a chance to swim and just get that great because um, this was Christmas Day that this second thing happened. Right. And I was just grateful to be out there in Hawaii and in the sun and, and enjoying the surf and that I didn't get injured or drowned or anything like that in light with with what happened. So I was really proud of myself in that sense versus, you know, I think. Um, earlier in my life, I would have been a lot of cuss words and, you know, it would have been a really negative experience for me. Let's talk about that word acceptance that you just accepted 
that that was your experience out there when obviously you probably had ideas of catching some of the best waves of your life. And I want to bring that back to the people that you see, your patients, and because no doubt the people that you see, life isn't going according to how they, they probably would like it to be. They're probably in pain. They can't work out what's going on in their bodies. How does acceptance come into play in the dialogue that you have with your patients and then about how to, I guess, forge a different path forward from that point? knowing that the body isn't where it's meant to be or the mind isn't where it's meant to be? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, this is our big lesson. Um, I've been, um, I've been interacting with someone that I, I would call like my guru, right? He's, he's, uh, he was a deacon for the, for the Catholic church. And then he studied the original Aramaic, the oldest version of the Bible written in its original language in Aramaic and Yeshua, who the Greeks went on to call Jesus, his real name was Yeshua. Um, he talked about forgiveness and he talked about forgiveness in the sense that we have goals. We have goals for people, places and circumstances, right? Like I could have been out there with a very rigid goal that I'm going to catch a wave, right? Or I could have been out there with a goal that I'm just enjoying the sun and I'm enjoying the, the, the friends that I was with and um, the exercise that I was getting at. Right. And so the, the idea of forgiveness that Yeshua, at least this is what my friend believes, what was the, the core message that Yeshua came to provide to us in the Bible was for us to learn to collapse these goals that we have and drop into um, um, the driver. So the drivers of these goals are, are these different emotional states that come up, right? And if we are able to recognize that we have goals for these things and connect with those and literally just drop the goal, like I, I lose the need, I drop the need to go catch the perfect wave. And um, oftentimes when you connect with that, there's a relaxation that occurs in the body and the mind um, because there's a recognition that there's some set of circumstances for us to feel some state of peace within ourselves. Right. And that's just a, um, it's a, it's a journey that will never get into a destination. You know, it's a, it's a constant um, it's constant work to not really go anywhere. And I believe that at the end of the day, our ability to connect with our true nature is love is what we're all really um, hoping for. Yeah. And um, for me, my biggest teacher has been plant medicine. And I think there's a lot of different, um, different avenues to that where people can really truly get a taste of what a direct experience of God feels like right where it's just unity it's oneness it's expansiveness it's everythingness it's um just feeling completely at ease um and 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 once an individual can can taste that and realize that that's your true nature that that's you um that's god then um i think things can shift quite dramatically Yeah, interesting. I, I didn't think we'd be going down this path with you today, but um, 
I'm I'm open to uh, to exploring this with you. I actually just jumped off a podcast last week with Dr. Maya Shatrit, who wrote uh, a new book about sacred plants, and I've sat in ceremony with pretty much uh, everything that's available to us on the planet that we know of, and I 100% agree with what you're talking about there. And um, take me back to the first and uh, or some of the original times where you sat with these medicines, these very sacred teachers. And mm. because my wife and I run a wellness retreat here, where we don't offer plant medicines except for uh, my wife serves a beautiful ancient uh, Tibetan, Taiwanese, Chinese tea ceremony to, to our guests, no psychedelics or hallucinogenics. So it is a plant medicine. It's very powerful in silent um, reverence that we sit with that. But tell me, coming from your medical background, what were your thoughts about the psychedelics, hallucinogenics, entheogenic medicines? And what was that like for you stepping in to that place of surrender? Well, I, I, my first um, psilocybin experience, I was 11 years old. And this was in Hawaii. And um, after that, I had done multiple, you know, experiences with with psilocybin. But it was always, you know, with friends laughing, you're in the, you know, the jungle, you're just you're just out in nature and, um, you know, or parties or things like that. And it wasn't until maybe about eight years ago that I was invited to sit with um, a very specific protocol that um, some people call the clerogenic protocol. And it's a combination of a few different medicines. Um, and it was um, it was profound because I had a mask on and I had I was listening to specific music with an over the ear um, headset and my my voice was being recorded and i found myself speaking a lot it was just almost channeling my 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 intuitive mind was just flowing and i would even say that there was angels and there was other um beings without bodies that were present and um giving me giving me some beautiful you know downloads and uh i think that the 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 idea that there was something bigger and that that i had a mission you know that's what came to me is that i'm here for a reason and then there's a mission and that purpose really i think drives a lot of um satisfaction in my life you know and i don't think i had that uh as strongly before before that experience and then i've had other experiences that have built on that um with and without medicine that would, I would say that would be my 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 biggest key point besides just that direct experience of God, which is that you know, for me it was uh, a medicine called five MAO, which is from the frog, right? And it's a it's a very strong medicine to drop the ego. And um, when this um, vapor is inhaled, you you just go into this very very sacred um space of for me feeling like i was just with god and i was with you know everything and nothing all at the same time it was quite difficult to fully describe 
but I, I, I came out of that. It's a 20, it was a 20 minute experience. I came out of that experience and I kept repeating. Now I understand. Now I get it, you know, and, and I did. It's like, I get, I got what all of the religions were talking about. Like before that, I, I it was just words. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was very meaningful, meaningful for me. And it's made a big difference in my career because I've been able to kind of step out of the way and, and work through my intuition more fully. And this is where a lot of the, the different products within MitoZen have been formulated. Um, so I, I don't know that, you know, these are original thoughts in my head. Maybe I'm just getting out of the way and allowing some of this information to just flow through me, which I think is true for most geniuses is there there's, um, there's a creative side. We have a creative side and we have a scientific side to our brain. And I think if the more you can utilize both together, the, the better I think an individual would be able to like, especially in the business that I'm in, because you have to have a bit of science sense because you get these ideas and then you have the, the kind of the knowledge base of the different types of herbs and molecules and nutrients that could be involved in what you're trying to accomplish there. Um, but then there's, there's this part of having all that science and, and having all that understanding, but like, what, where do you go? Like, because a lot of people have created all these other things, right? You're not wanting to go copy them or necessarily be directly inspired by one thing in order to kind of somewhat copy something you want to have these like beautiful original ideas and i feel like i've done a, a fairly good job at that with mitozen um because we have you know quite a few very original um you know products with with unique delivery systems and we target mostly because of my history i um we got very sick with lime and mold and epstein Barr and and uh, very very ill for many years and had to um, figure out how to heal myself through detoxification and through different types of antimicrobials and remediating, remediating my house and, um, you know, just the journey of, of, of you know, um, recovering from something like that was, was very, very challenging. And I know there's still a lot of people out there, it's a bit of an, um, an epidemic right now people that are very sick and there's really no answers in modern medicine and most even holistic practitioners um, aren't really very good with these types of things. So that was a big um, catalyst for developing a lot of the products that we, that we have is to move the needle on some of the most difficult um, health conditions, you know, that, that, that we have today. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, I've sat with five MEADM team many times, and it's um, definitely a, a game changer or life changer <laughs> in so many ways. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you then, with such an epidemic of chronic illness that we see across the world, and from your understanding and knowledge and wisdom and your purpose, of why you are here. Why do you think on a very deep scale or looking at it from a 40,000 foot view, 
that so much of humanity is going through these health crises individually and collectively at this particular point in time. Do you think it is, um, I, I dare say the word, part of our evolution for us to sort of go to this rock bottom stage where most people are on some sort of pharmaceutical or suffering or in pain or not happy with how they look and how they feel and how their brain functions. Tell me about your perception on this particular point in, in the human evolution. Well, to me, it seems very clear that it all revolves around this disconnection to um, the planet, right? And to, to living in the natural rhythms, you know, that we were evolved in order to, you know, to live with and this disconnected from the earth and the grounding effect and the sun and fresh air and um, healthy food and nutrient dense food. And then the pollution and the, the, the amount of toxicity, yeah, that we're, that we're consuming and, and exposed to, you know, all those things um, kind of lend themselves to people that are more, that are sick. And, and then we have a disconnect from nature within our healthcare model. I, I know in Australia, same thing here in the U S you know, we, we consume a lot of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And so you have a, you have a system that's based on financial gain. It's like democracy works, but there's one key thing that needs to happen is that you have to do the right thing, right? So you have, you know, you have cap, I'm sorry, capitalism, right? So capitalism works, but you have these pharmaceutical companies that aren't, they're not necessarily doing the right thing for humanity and for people. Um, it's more for their bottom line. And we saw this very clearly with the, you know, COVID um, situation, the vaccines, you know, where there was um, the need to maintain this emergency use authorization. And in order to do that, there could be no competitive answers. And so, you know, things like my high dose melatonin, which would have been a far better answer than the vaccine, because it would have de decreased the transmission, which a study in Canada showed by 54%. And it would have um, protected people from um, uh, severe to critical stages with the cytokine storm, um, likely much better than the vaccine. But here you have all mortality, like people are just dropping like flies. And a lot of people are suspecting that it's these all these spike proteins. And um, yeah, it's a real mess. It's all the same problem. You know, it's all a disconnect from nature, I believe. And if there was more of an honor of the rhythms of the body and nature and less of a concern with how much financial gain there's going to be from, from a certain activity, um, which I believe we'll get there as a species, as long as we don't blow, blow ourselves up before that. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a waking up that's happened to a huge po population I mean, you see Robert Robert Kennedy getting very uh, popular in the polls, right? And he's speaking the truth about a lot of these um, a lot of these issues with healthcare. And um, just as a clinician, I, I'm the patient. I don't know if I'm just attracting those types of patients or what, but um, people are just really, you know, they're they're much more knowledgeable. You know, they're not 
ready to just go on just, you know, a drug and they're asking questions, you know, well, what's really the cause of my problem? And, you know, how is this medicine going to, going to fix that? And they're mostly very disappointed when there's not really a good answer to that question. Which brings us to um, your level of, of or field of study, chiropractic, as the base. And I'm always amazed. I mean, I, I don't have a doctor myself. I haven't for nearly three decades. But I do see different types of chiropractors and body workers as part of my maintenance or management uh, system for my body. Um, and what always struck me so beautifully at a young age, I was 17 when I first visited my first chiropractor and they talked about the three pillars basically. And uh, hopefully you can elaborate on these and, and maybe give it a little bit more, um, uh, definition for our listeners, but it was either physical or structural chemical imbalance or emotional imbalance. And I've always looked at that as such a uh, simple blueprint or foundational um, understanding of, of where disease can form in our bodies, whether we have an accident or strain ourselves, physical, whether it's emotional, our belief systems, and then obviously chemical, whether we're <laughs> potentially exposed to some sort of toxin, as you were just talking about. And no doubt in Australia, 95, 96% of our population just took two of these experimental injections. Um, and I would put that probably in the category of emotional plus chemical as potential imbalances as to following orders from the television is probably an emotional um, issue someone may look at or from our government. And then what to do after a toxin has been put into our bodies. But can you expand on those three different pillars and do they still, are they still relevant for you in your practice today? So I have, um, my set of pillars are vitality, identity, and divinity. And so vitality of the body is going to be kind of encapsulated into those other three pillars, right? Where we have um, different, uh, triggers that cause inflammation in the body. Yeah. And the inflammation is what shuts down the life force. So all of our cells have a capacity to adapt to a certain level of stress. And if we understand that all stresses are inflammation. Yeah. So like we think about a sunburn as stress, well, the skin gets inflamed, right. Or we think about um, an infection, the flu as a stress, well, there's inflammation there, right. I mean, so every single form of stressor over over exercising right it's so the inflammation is the result of the stress and then the inflammation can be adapted to to a certain level before the cell goes into what's called a cell danger response and so when the cell danger response kicks in we have a, a mitochondria that shuts down and forces the cell to make energy outside of it and that's called fermentation this is what happens with a cancer cell and so again, it's, it's called the cell danger response. And so when we look at chiropractic, its origins were very myopic that there were, it was subluxations of the spine. were not allowing the expression of the nervous system, the innate intelligence of the body to go out to all the cells and tissues. Yeah. And this model, um, is 
is quite myopic in the sense that you're really looking at just one component of uh, a larger way of looking at things to have optimal health with an individual. And um, when you start talking about the chemical component, you know, we look at everything from pesticides to heavy metals, you know, you can look at all the different toxins in our um, cleaning supplies and personal care products and in the air and, and pollution and our cars. And so these things accumulate in the body. And, and again, they shut down life force because they cause inflammation, right? And then we have mental emotional stress. And so these mental emotional stresses um, cause um, our gut to, to slow down. They call they cause our hormones to become dysregulated when we're in a chronic state of, of stress that mental emotional can create, we also aren't sleeping as well as we could sleep. And so there's, there's imbalances to our rhythms that start to show up with dysfunction that then leads to inflammation that then shuts down our life force. Yeah. And so all of those things are kind of within that compartment. And then we start getting into the identity component, which I believe is this relationship that we have with ourselves and this, this identity with, we either identify with our ego or we identify with our true nature, which is the observer, right? And that's where we're either reacting. Um, we're very react reactive if we're associated with our ego, you know, we're caught up in the movie, in the story. And um, when people start to evolve spiritually, um, I've noticed that they're they're much more um, trusting in 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 the moment, right? You're 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 able to be in the moment, just trusting that everything's perfect, right? Versus, you know, um, we're we're thinking about the future, we're anxious about the future, and we're we're we have regrets of the past, right? So our our mind and our ego is taking us into either one of those versus just being now, because this is the only moment that will ever be. And so this, this comes with this identifying with our true nature. And then we already kind of touched on this, this, this last um, 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 pillar, which is just this direct experience of God. And I believe if an individual is missing that component, I just don't think all the other pieces of the puzzle really fit together quite the same. Because that's when you can really dial in that purpose, right? And you can really feel into the meaning of all of it, really everything, just like I said, it makes, it just starts to make more sense. How do you communicate that to, to your clients in a way that doesn't um, scare them <laughs> to, to the core or make them run away? You know, um, I'll, I'll take it back again, because obviously sometimes that when we're sitting around the campfire here and we've got guests coming to our wellness retreat, um, psychedelics or entheogenic medicines does come up in conversation. And I'd say nine out of 10 people have never sat with a medicine like that. And I'm not saying that people need to sit with it, but there seems to be so much fear around because the conversation generally comes to this point where I'm too scared to take that step to go down that path because I've heard, so many horrific stories it could be one um of people not being able to deal with that intense situation of sitting with these medicines whether it be 5-MeO or ayahuasca or psilocybin as you talked about or, or these other ones 
and and I'm all I'm I'm so curious as to how this is going to unravel over the coming decades, if it's going to unravel for people to um, to seek these types of divine experiences in a way that in a way that doesn't cause so much fear and distrust in their own selves. And I think that's probably where I'm getting at is this, this, this seems to be an underlying current of distrust in people themselves when these types of conversations come up. How am I going to deal with it? What if I don't come back? What if I can't handle it? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a certain level of suffering, right? And so we all have this knee-jerk reaction once we start to feel a sense of discomfort or a sense of suffering to pull back and say, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I don't want to feel that. And um, one of my mentors would say that you're a terrible sufferer and I'm going to help you become a much better sufferer. Right. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? Who wants to suffer? And so what he taught me was that if I were to have a sensation of suffering come up, and I would really be curious about that and really lean into it and feel into it that in the middle of that suffering is actually joy. And at first I didn't believe that, but I've experienced that time and time again. And um, I think that it's, you know, the, 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 what, what I, what I've heard people say is that it, suffering is not, in, not within suffering, but it's the avoidance of suffering. So it's the act of us not wanting to feel that that hurts. Whereas if we just allow, you know, our body can process through that that energy because it's just energy. It's all just energy. Yeah. And some medicines can be a lot more um, um, challenging than others. The clarogenic protocol is is quite um, kind and gentle in the sense that um, it's it's usually quite a beautiful experience. Um, taking very high doses of psilocybin can get a little bit trippy for people in times. And I think what I've, from what I understand, there's kind of like a beginning, a middle and an end in the beginning, it can be kind of intense. And towards the end, people are really going into these blissful experiences, which really, um, you know, makes, makes a good argument for this aspect of like, Hey, just feel into the suffering and realize that it's it's just energy and that it's not real and it's, you're not going to be injured by it and that there, this is a very um it's a very powerful way to clear these unconscious thought forms that we constantly run from right and at, at the deepest deepest level oftentimes when people have these sensations come up there's the thought that it'll never go away right oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life, right? I mean, it's not it's not logical or rational, but that's to the point of intensity that some people can go, right? And that's where a good person that's going to sit with them, a good facilitator, which I, I'm, I'm certain that you're, you're of that, you know, nature that just can be there and, and support people through that. Yeah, I've had that thought before. I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. I think that was my my first initiation with um, 
with a with a bad trip of LSD when I was in my teenage years. So, like, oh, oops. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? No, you'll get through it. Well, no, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Fuck. Oh, the things we do. I love it. So tell me about the, um, because you were talking about before, through these experiences that you became clearer on what you're here to do, not only now, but in the future, if we could use those terms. And and I'm fascinated by, because you're talking about Martazen and thank you, I got some of your products the other day and my wife and I have been using them, especially the, the uh, methylene blue. That's powerful. Mm. <laughs> We've used it before, but yours was just like a, a, a huge notch up. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated because I come from a, a bit of the, I, I guess, the ancestral philosophy that food can be medicine or food can be poison. And as you mentioned before, eating a nutrient-dense foods, it just makes so much sense and it's so delicious. And, and with my background as a chef, you know, and my wife is a great cook, like that part of medicine is such a beautiful thing to experience every day when we eat if we choose not to as well that's also a beautiful thing um but i'm fascinated by where the future of supplementation and medicine is going to develop and maybe you can give us an overview of where your company mitazen is now and the potential of growth in this area for individuals well um yeah, I mean, there's things are really evolving uh, here. I uh, methylene blue uh, has been a huge advantage uh, for me from everything from a spiritual place to overall health and vitality. You know, I really believe that the vitality has a direct correlation with the levels of consciousness that we can achieve. You know, and we go through and we we work on ourselves and we hit these layers, right? And then we want to bust through that next layer where we have to get to that next level of vitality, right? And which gets into the structural and the chemical and all the things that we were talking about. Um, we, I, I'm finding that the cranial structure plays such an important role in this, by the way, um, because often, um, are, are you familiar with Weston Price? Yeah, 100%. One of the best books ever written, in my opinion. Yeah. Was the, was it the book on physical degeneration? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So he, he showed that the, the craniums were collapsing. Yeah. And so uh, this is all people, you know, in modern industrial culturized civilization is it's due to our the stresses, right? Which again you could say it's due to the inflammation the level of inflammation that we aren't able to adapt to and and that's why things like methylene blue and melatonin um, are so powerful in in mitigating some of the some of those stressors because they're so supportive to the mitochondria to keep that mitochondria working you know in when it wants to shut down um especially melatonin i i wrote a book called um melatonin miracle molecule where i get deep into the science of how powerful higher doses of melatonin can be to um, provide um, and support vitality in light of inflammation and stresses and then 
in a couple of weeks, we're going to be launching the second edition of my uh, methylene blue book called Magic Bullet. And this is this book is just a, a work of art, if if I could be so bold to say so. I'm really excited about that. And it should be on Amazon and available in Australia and wherever you might be um, soon. But we really get into the science and how to use methylene blue and all the different um, strategies to incorporate methylene blue with photobiomodulation and, um, and light therapy. And, um, but so the, the, the cranial structure kind of back to Weston price is it, it, it jams the cycle of movement that's called cranial rhythm. And the cranium makes a movement pattern that moves cerebral spinal fluid around the brain and spinal cord. And that movement of cerebral spinal fluid creates a pressure that then activates the pineal. And so the pineal is made up of small crystalline cells, just like a quartz crystal, which in our watches, our quartz watches, it's a spring that holds pressure on that quartz crystal. And then it's called the piezoelectric effect, which is um, pressure on a crystalline structure and then it emits electricity. And so the pineal gland is like a radio receiver and our cranium is where all of the, the, the energy comes through. Yeah. Especially on the in breath, we have the, the, the energy, the, um, life force, you know, it's, it's free energy that's all around us. Yeah. And we pull it into the body and, um, this, um, perception and this connection to that energy is through the pineal because it's kind of like, a it's kind of like the nose perceives smell, right? The eyes perceive light. So the pineal's job is it's perceiving that um, that divine energy, the, the quantum field, if you will, right? And so this is where we have our connection to intuition and um, um, creativity, you know, beyond, you know, the ego and um, possibly even like, you know, remote viewing is some, it's a real thing, you know? I mean, there's, people in our government that work for the government that can go and take their consciousness and see what thing, what, what's on the Russians desks and tech. Yeah. There, there's a document there and it says exactly this, or they have, you know, um, hidden chambers with weapons in this area and that area. And then the Russians caught on to us because we were the first ones to do it. And they started using our people to train their people. And that's how they were discovering that we had arsenals with nuclear weapons in certain areas. And so our consciousness can literally be, you know, moved to different locations. Um, our heart has been shown to um, transcend time and space. And they've done studies with the Heart Math Institute to demonstrate that, um, that, that our heart knows what's gonna happen before it actually happens where they've shown pictures on a computer screen and then they man they measure the reaction to the heart where they would show like dead bodies versus like a beautiful landscape. Right. And before seconds before the image would go on, the heart would respond in a way that would, would, would be correlated to that, to that image. So, um, so there's really some, some very mystical, um, things that happen within our biology that science is just starting to um, elucidate. And this is all powers that come through a healthy pineal. So if people are interested in some of these 
mystical and amazing things, we need to start thinking about how can we take care of our pineal. So having a wider facial structure. Um, so I do a balloon, an endonasal balloon manipulation, right? And um, I've literally been traveling around doing these on different people around the uh, the United States and to some different celebrities. Like I've been working with um, Dana White and, uh, you know, I mean, there's just been a lot. I can't even name a lot of the names because, you know, there's there's a certain level of um, of, uh, you know, secrecy. A lot of these people want to have. But um, it, it's been quite fascinating to see some of the changes, you know, with with some of these people. If people look at Dana White a year ago and look at him now, you know, it's just completely transformational, you know, and I know he's done a lot of other things, but opening up the airways, getting more oxygen, getting deeper sleep and having that deeper connection through the pineal um, can make a huge difference. Yeah, it's a fascinating treatment. I had it many, many years ago with um, one of our chiropractors in, in Sydney, Dr. Rick Schlitterer. And it's amazing. I've had, a, I think, th two or three sessions with it. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's remarkable. So the future of medicine, where you're heading with the supplementation with the cranial it it nearly seems like potentially down the path we won't even need to have plant medicine or toad medicine experiences if we have that um that vitality that we once had running through us um how excited are you about your position in this at this particular point in time as well Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wakes me up early and keeps me up late. Although for me, early waking up early is around 3.30, 4 in the morning, and a late night is 8 p.m. <laughs> but I love it that way, you know. And uh, um, yeah, I really, I do feel that um, that what we're up to here in Sarasota, Florida, at advanced rejuvenation and through Mitazen is really kind of a, a peak at the future of medicine because there's a focus on the core, the, the deepest core aspect of health, which is the life force, right? And um, when I say life force, I mean the efficiency of the cell to make energy from glucose and oxygen. And and so our, our mitochondria are what do that. And so the health of our, our mitochondria, and if we look at a mitochondria focused um, um, program in our healthcare model, you know, or what if we were to do that as a government? What if the government came back and said, well, all right, well, we're going to make this policy, but this is, is this going to be good or bad for the mitochondria for our citizens? Now, how wild would that be? Like there would be a lot of things that wouldn't be accepted, right? Because you know, we we would be, we would have a focus on what's best for the um, for the individuals, right? And what serves our brains the best, right? The healthier the brain, I think, the happier you are. And so the brain is the most metabolically sensitive. And so when we start working on the mitochondria, we'll start seeing the brain have the biggest improvement out of anything in the body. So I believe that this metabolic medicine um, um, filter in, in healthcare is the future. And um, 
I think that there's, we're just scratching the surface on some of the different um, molecules that we can utilize. I think that um, methylene blue, I mean, I, I can't imagine that there's not other under, un, undiscovered molecules that we just haven't discovered yet, you know, um, or maybe there's going to be our alien brothers and sisters that are going to bring us some technology pretty soon when they do disclosure, right? I mean, it, it, you watch the news now and it just seems like they're just ready to do some dis big disclosure with, with extraterrestrials. Do you agree? It seems that way. It definitely seems that way. I mean, Tucker's mentioned it quite a few times, especially recently, uh, especially also in the last week there, um, they seem to have ramped it up, but, uh, I think they're getting, <laughs> they're getting drowned out with the Epstein client list and what's going on with Trump and Biden. Uh -huh. It's just, a, it's, there's so much going on at the moment. It's such a, such a, such a show. I always, I always bring it back to that word, the show. I think it's the greatest show on earth that's happening at the moment. And and I emphasize the word show because it's like, we sh it, it's being shown to you the corruption. It's being shown to you the dishonesty or the deceit that we've sort of accepted, but now it's being shown to you right in your face that you can't avoid it with the money laundering and the wars and this just the, the fucking nonsense, excuse my language, but the the nonsense that we have accepted i use that word that you talked about before we've accepted the nonsense and in my reality or my perception it's now time for us not to accept this nonsense and for these people like yourself and others that are dedicated to the advancement of human evolution and the advancement of not being in this state of suffering and accepting suffering. The, how do I say this? Because a lot of this suffering we don't need to go through, in my personal opinion, if we choose not to. But because it has become part of our, um, our normal way of life where everybody thinks, oh, being unhealthy is, is just part of life. Getting getting older and losing mental clarity is just a part of life. It's what happens where there's people like yourself and others that are like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we're hitting a point of inflection where people are just kind of like enough, you know, and they see through all the bullshit and, uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting time because I really feel like we have an opportunity right now if the right um, officials are elected. And, you know, I, I feel like the United States is kind of like the, you know, if we can fix what's going on here, I think it would ripple around the world. Right. I think everything's kind of hinged on that. Um, I'm not sure whether you would agree out there in Australia or not, but it seems like we kind of lead the way in a lot of um, policies, you know? Um, but, you know, I have some, I have some people that are very connected politically here and, um, you know, had some meetings with some people very close with um, Robert Kennedy, some people very close with Trump. Um, and those are the two, I think, really kind of leading the poll. And there's a big interest in making some big change. 
So hopefully, you know, we, 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 we're at the, at the beginning of a, of a revolution. Uh, I 100% agree with you. And um, yeah, two very interesting men that you talk about there, Trump and Kennedy, and uh, I'd be happy for either of them to, um, to take off. Actually, in fact, I'd be happy for them both to form a partnership. <laughs> I think that would be pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, uh, yeah, we, 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 we were entertaining that a little bit with this idea of divide and conquer, but there's some, you know, there's some tiny little details within that, that will probably make that impossible, but it, it's, it's an interesting thought. Well, it is an interesting thought. The fact that we have that thought, I think is, is, is very telling because a lot of people have had that thought too. And, uh, you know, I've, I've often said that um, whatever you think of Trump, Trump definitely is a catalyst and, and always set the thought on what comes afterwards, whether he gets back into this election or not, but what, what is the, what is the catalyst that will, what will come after Trump and the, and this nonsense that we've been going through. And um, I've had Bobby on the podcast many times and, um, we're, I've been blessed to be at his house and interview him and he's a, he's a beautiful man. And, um, yeah, I think the next 12 months is going to be, um, a great show. As, as I said. And, uh, uh, yeah. Are you, do you know Mickey Willis? Yeah. Mickey's, yeah, uh, I, Mickey's yeah. a beautiful man. Yeah. Yeah. I had New Year's Eve with, with Mickey. And, and so we had a lot of conversations surrounding this and, yeah. I could feel that um, you two would have have great conversations. Yeah, Mickey's a beautiful brother, and uh, yeah, he's done so much over the last few years. That's just, yeah, yeah. I I, I often cry whenever he's on the podcast. <laughs> he brings me to tears. Well, I bring myself to tears through his words. But um, yeah, and that's what I've noticed over the last three or four years is that so many beautiful heart-centered people, intelligent people, geniuses, as you, as you said, have come together and are forming this, this new foundation, these new pillars of where humanity can go to. That's, that's my personal opinion. I think that, you know, I've accepted what's happened over the last few years because I see these beautiful relationships forming with people that perhaps would have just stayed in their individual careers or, or individual lanes. But now I see this, this beautiful recipe forming with these beautiful human ingredients. And uh, I know you're, you're part of that. So I just want to thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm. I, I feel the same way. I feel that we're we're on the same mission, and uh, um, you um, you seem to be doing some really good work. And from our conversation, this is the first time getting to know you. But uh, I'm 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 hopeful that that we 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 meet in person and we connect more and let's support each other the best we can. Mm. I love you, John. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on a podcast with a fellow from the other side of the world that cooks food. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And Brooke's been great. And I have some books coming for you. I was going to send them before Christmas, but um, apologies to Brooke as well. And uh, they will be they will be on your doorstep in the coming weeks. So uh, love you, brother. And um, in, in, enjoy the clouds. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I have a lot of red lights on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Be in my sauna quite a bit. Yeah. How's, how's it out there in Australia? Sunny? 
we've had great sun that we've had some pretty pretty horrific storms the last week and flooding and now we've got a couple of days of clouds but um once i stop this i'm going for a surf so um yeah how are the waves? they're okay they're, they're not um three to four foot hawaiian that's for sure they're about um probably half a foot hawaiian so probably about oh. two or three two or three foot but today's offshore it's going to be nice um the water's warm I am, I'm not expecting to catch many waves. And I said this to my wife yesterday because I went surfing yesterday. We live about an hour from the beach. So it's an hour drive there and an hour drive back because we live in the in the rainforest here in New South Wales. And I love the drive. I love spending two hours in the car each day to fulfill one of my uh, passions. But yesterday it was crowded at our local spot. And I said to her, you know, I... I wasn't expecting to catch many waves and I just went out there just to, like you were saying, just to experience the ocean. Um, mm. Cause it was the first surf since I went foil surfing earlier in the week. And um, I, I was foil surfing behind the jet ski. And as I let go of the rope, it was so crystal clear, the water. And I looked down and I saw this huge animal in the water and I was like, Oh, it's a dolphin. And as I was going past, I was like, Oh, fuck, I don't think that was a dolphin. <laughs> and I fell it's off quite great. close. I fell off quite close to it. I was like, oh gosh. And and my mate on the jet ski came back and he passed it. I said, Is it a dolphin? And his face was just like, get on the ski. It was a I think it was a six or seven foot tiger shark. But um that that was um that was thrilling. I accepted it. I was in the water. I was like, oh, fuck. And then we got the tow rope cord and the jet ski. And then we had to, to push the jet ski into shore knowing that there was this shark out there. But I just accepted it. I didn't go into panic. I was just like, oh, well, if this is my time, this is my time. You know? So oh, yesterday man, I, was good to yeah. get back out there again. The, fo the foil the foil is just amazing, isn't it? It's just like so such a glide. I have an e-foil that I've been playing around with a lot. And I'm looking forward to getting back into kite surfing with the foil and just amazing next level. Uh, I call it humbling. I've, I've just yeah. turned 50 in the last year and okay. I started foiling a couple of years ago and I wanted to create a stress once again on, on my life. And uh, if anybody wants to create stress in their life, start foil surfing like, paddling in because <laughs> uh -huh. I'm quite a competent, quite a competent surfer in all, yeah. all conditions and learning to foil surf has been definitely one of the most humbling experiences of my life and uh, yeah. I still haven't got it down down perfect yet and probably never will but uh, I enjoy the the experience of begin becoming a beginner and getting frustrated with myself and just laughing at myself when that frustration comes. And it's so good for your brain, right? Like new and novel experiences are where the brain has the most neuroplastic changes to it. And that's, again, you know, it, it full circles back to our, like the amount of suffering you, you, you can be comfortable with. Right. I, Tony, I think Tony Robbins says that the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the amount of suffering that you can endure comfortably. Right. Or the amount of uncertainty um, that you can comfortably, you know, accept in your life. And so when we start to do these new things, although it's like the best thing for our brain and just overall, 
when we get to the level where we've accomplished it, you know, you feel good. There's just so much reward to that, but then you have to pass through this zone of suffering and discomfort. Right. But then it doesn't have to be that way. If you just lean into it and just accept that this is where you're at. Right. So beautiful how that's kind of come for full circle for us in this conversation. Mm. Love you, brother. We'll be in contact soon. And thanks for the gifts as well. And uh, you have a beautiful afternoon and an early night. Love you. All right. You too. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.